It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin. A spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. I think we as women need to support one another in knowing and owning our own sexual pleasure, not of course to the exclusion of our partners, but definitely to include and make room for our own. That quote comes from our very own Dr. Megan Fleming. You will hear that quote uh, from her in a bit here in the show. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, where good girls go for sexual empowerment. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and I am so thrilled to have comedian Liz Mealy joining me today. Before I introduce this fabulous woman, you have to check out this sketch that led me to basically stalk her on Twitter. Well, kind of almost, but it did get me to uh, invite her here, and I think you will see why. I'll let you know the story. I am uh, I am the oldest. I'm the second oldest of five kids, and I'm really close with all my siblings, but I'm especially close with my little brother, Sam. My little brother, Sam, is about 10 years younger than me. The thing about Sam is he's only known me as a comedian, so I've kind of it kind of has shaped my life being a comedian. I'm very honest. I've never told him a lie. I just kind of tell him as it is. And I always thought that was really cool about our relationship until pretty recently when I found out that we don't have boundaries and those are important. (laughs) This is how I found out. So uh, a couple months ago, my little sister and my little brother were living together at the time and I walked in on one of the weirder conversations for an older sister to walk in on. I walked in on my little brother telling my little sister like those funny sexual position jokes you guys know what I'm talking about? They always have a title, like the rusty trombone. It's always something fucked up, like you come in her eye and it's called the pirate. <laughs> Shit like that. So this is the one I walked in on. It's a dude fucking a girl from the back, but that dude leaves. Another dude starts fucking her, but the first guy goes in front of a window, waves to her, and it's called the poltergeist. <laughs> And he's like, isn't that funny? You're a comedian. Isn't that funny? That's so funny. Isn't that funny? And I was like, no. I've been in a male-dominated field for 12 years. I've heard every fucked up thing you can do to a woman. And it's always something that ruins her hair. And I'm not okay with it anymore. I really care about my hair. So I decided, as someone who essentially travels the world and does spoken word, that it's kind of my responsibility to spread feminist sexual positions. I have a lot of free time. I came up with three. (laughs) Position number one is a dude going down on a woman. She squirts in his face. He learns to respect women. It's called the 19th Amendment. Save your energy, I got two more. Position number two is a dude is a woman riding a dude. She gets him about 30% away from an orgasm, but she gets up and leaves. It's called the Equal Pay Act. Position number three is my favorite. It's just a woman masturbating in a kitchen. A dude walks in sad. It's called Make Your Own Dinner. (laughs) I'm Liz Mealy. Thank you so much. 
See, I told you she was awesome. I am so excited to have Liz Mealy in the house today. I am a huge, huge fan ever since I saw her feminist sex positions on YouTube. She's so, so funny, so smart, and she's been doing comedy since she was 16. Can you believe that? It's, it's amazing. She's prolific. At 18, she was profiled in The New Yorker, uh, and at 22, she appeared on Comedy Central's Live at Gotham. She's based in Brooklyn, uh, but she tours around all over the place. She's made appearances recently in L.A. Uh, she says she's obsessed with anim animation and dysfunction. She wrote her first pilot about physically and emotionally damaged robots, which I saw an episode of. It's so fabulous. It's lovely to have you here, Liz. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. So how did you realize that comedy was what you wanted to pursue so young? Um, it's kind of weird. I think, I mean, I think I always wanted to be funny. It was the way to kind of get my parents to pay attention to me. <laughs> um, yeah. my, uh, I'm one of five kids, so, and they, my parents own their own business, and um, they were a very stressed out, angry group of people that raised a very stressed out, angry group of children. <laughs> um, but I thought I wanted to be like Sandra Bullock, like old Sandra Bullock, like when we were growing up where she yeah. was just like falling down a lot, and I was like, I can fall. That this looks is, fun. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> um, and then when I was probably like, 13 I discovered stand up and I was kind of like fuck that like everyone just pays attention to me and I to me it just felt like I didn't have to hone as many skills like at I 13 you really Yeah and I loved I became obsessed like I Did you do it at 13? No, I started writing at 14 um and then I went on stage for the first time at 16. That is incredible because yeah. when I the first time I saw stand up I was like I would pee on the floor. That looks yeah. terrifying to me. I mean it's so it f seems so brave to me but if it's your passion do you get nervous? I mean, I get nervous for things that might mean something, like auditions or um, somebody cute in the audience. <laughs> usually, like, the first time I let, like, a dude I'm dating come see me, I'm like, this is not the time to bomb. <laughs> that is so funny. But most of the time, I, anything that has bad, that could happen, has happened, and you build up, you build up an oh shit skill base mm. that it's... You don't want to have to use it, but it's there. It's like the same idea that I don't want a flat tire, but I have a basic idea of what to do, and I have AAA. So ah. I'll be fine. So you start to realize that you have this arsenal that if somebody shouts something out, somebody says something mean to you, if things don't go well, A, it doesn't hurt as much as you think it would, yeah. and B, you know how to handle the situation. I bombed for an hour straight before. Really? I'm telling you, an hour straight. Like, as it's happening, you're no, like, I am totally bombing. No laughs. And you still have to do it because you're being paid. I always say I get paid to show up. Like, my number one job as a comic is to be on time. And people think that's crazy, but I often get checks mailed to me before my show. I get paid as soon, right before I go on stage. You you really do show up to be on... If, if I bomb for an hour, they still have to pay me. If I show up 20 minutes late, they don't have to pay me. Oh, wow. So it's like, my job is to show up on time and to do... It's a, it's a subjective art form. So you do your best... And sometimes it goes well, and oftentimes it doesn't. Like, there's not a comic that you love that hasn't bombed for an hour straight before. Like, it's so common, and it happens all the time. And you you learn skills from it. That bombing for an hour, a I you don't like. I don't want to do it again. I have done it, but you you figure it out. And it's like anything. It's like being in a bad conversation, somebody hurting your feelings, getting in a car crash. Nobody wants to, but as soon as it's happened, you figure it out and you prepare for it. That is very weirdly inspiring to think all the comics bomb. I mean, oh, yeah. really, because it's like, we. I think that we look, the non-comics, we look at you as just these heroes because it does seem so terrifying to us. Because 
the thought of having to, because what I would think and what maybe some comics think when they start is they get up there and they think I have to be funny and that pressure could be difficult. But I love that approach of kind of going in and just saying, I'm here. There's also different bombs. Like my thing is like, if you think of it on a basic level, yeah, it's to make people laugh, but it's also to be interesting and to connect with people. So I've done sets where they're listening, they're interested, but they're not responding the way that I want them to respond. It's not a gut laugh. They're not like dying, but I've had people have a show and I've even learned not to get too self-deprecating because sometimes it feels like it's not going well and people come up to me and they're like, you are amazing. I love what you do. Can I buy your CD? Like, and you're like, that's not how I felt on stage. That's not how I received you guys. So you have to also be aware that you have an idea of what you want from people, but they might not be able to show it at the level that you need it to be. Interesting. Which so is don't kind of, judge the audience. Yeah, and it's kind of like what friendship and dating is like, which is I have my needs to feel loved, but you might not be able to reciprocate them or put them out there sure. the way that I kind of digest them. And it doesn't mean that person doesn't care about you. It's right. just... It's, it's just not filtering through the same Oh, completely. Way. I just thought of a friend I have who never laughs, and but has a wicked sense of humor. I mean, it's so funny herself. Yeah. But she just says, oh, yes, very funny. I mean, she never, oh, she never a, laughs. Yeah, ever. that's hard. But she can be, she says the most hilarious things. Yeah. She can, she can critique comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't, so that's, that's really fascinating. And, and I can see how your work can be very thought-provoking. And in my experience with Girl Boner, it's interesting because I didn't realize how much I would want to connect with comedians. I've always admired them, but there seems to be some um, sort of synergy with talking openly about taboo subjects, yeah. which I love. And yeah. your uh, Feminist Sex Positions video, I think, is a great example of one that some people may not belly laugh. Yeah. You know, the women in the audience were going nuts. Yeah. And a lot of the guys were too, but I think it also, some of the people may have gone, oh my gosh, I have totally left at that really awful kind of sex position joke. Yeah. Uh, could you tell us how that uh, set kind of came about? It's funny. Um, it almost didn't come about because it was just a story that I actually, it, because that's a three minute long joke. Most of my jokes are about 30 seconds to 45 seconds. And as I've been doing this longer, I've definitely gotten more into storytelling like that, but it's hard. It's like a lot of work. I'm actually working on a joke um, right now about a drug this doctor is trying to put me on and I walked out of his office and so I have to explain this drug and why I was upset about it I have to talk like I have to do a bunch of kind of historical medical talk in a joke to people that might not know it and it takes you a lot away from the funny and it's it's yeah. probably like a two minute bit and it's, it's taken I've been bombing all over New York City trying to get this joke to work and it's actually in a pretty good place now it still needs some work yeah. but that's how I felt about this story is it's three minutes long and it started out just a conversation that actually happened like my little brother at the time was 19 he was living with my sister there were just like a couple stops away from me in Brooklyn and my little brother is probably one of my best friends he's traveled all over the country with me on the road I, I mean I probably text him every single day he doesn't need to be mini me nor would I want him to um, and he is a presence on his own so I don't think he ever will but you know he has three older sisters um, I'm a comedian my other sister that he was living with at the time is a jazz singer my older sister is a nurse and will tell you exactly how she feels in the moment <laughs> my mom is a strong presence my father's a strong presence he's he was raised and I also have another brother but there he was raised by very strong presences and by a lot of women and 
it just kind of upset me that he not only was telling something that I found incredibly unfunny, and he's one of the funniest people I know, but it was just kind of demoralizing the women. And I don't think he was doing it. There's some people that go after control and hurting women, and it, it is there is thought to That's it. That's the goal, yeah. But it wasn't. He's just a kid telling a joke that he doesn't understand why it's not funny. And not even like when I say not funny where you're just like, it's subjective. That doesn't feel subjective to me. That feels like legit bullying. Every single one of those sex positions jokes is literally hurting a woman. And some of them, you don't, the guy doesn't even get pleasure from it unless he's, you know what I mean? Like, like the punchline is the pain almost. Exactly. So it's like one thing, like when, whenever something is like fucking someone's ear and whatever, you're like, how is that helping anybody? Nobody, it doesn't feel like anybody's getting off. It just feels like you're embarrassing and, and demoralizing a woman and that's where you're getting off. And that's scary and that's creepy and that shouldn't be valued. You know what I mean? Everybody gets off differently. You do you, but it should be in a place where everybody is feeling pleasure. And when you're spreading stuff around where the pleasure is coming from hurting people it's not okay and so i heard him doing that and i i do my best not to this is something that bothered me about my father he would always be telling you why you're wrong you know what i mean and and then also giving advice that wasn't asked and it's actually my biggest pet peeve in comedy where somebody comes up to you and they start giving you tags and punchlines and you're like first of all you're telling me that what i did isn't good enough Mm -hmm. and second of all i don't know what you do i don't know if i value what you do and you don't know me enough you've seen five minutes of comedy so i always asked people can i give you advice or would you would you want a suggestion just a thought i had and that at least opens it up to say, like, hey, I don't know you, but here's just a thought that I had. So the same thing happens when somebody does something that upsets me. I kind of go, hey, would you want to know why this is hurting me? And so with my brother, who I've been kind of conscious that I didn't always do that with him, I kind of took a step back because I wasn't going to – we're all supposed to hang out and have a good time. I took a step back, and I, I realized that it had been bothering me for weeks. And I, like I said, I talked to him every day. And I finally, before I wanted to just tell him why I was upset, I had to figure out why I was upset. And so I sat there and I thought about it. And as I thought about it, I go, what a weird situation I'm in, which is my siblings are talking about a sexual joke, which I don't know how other siblings function. But when you're in a tight, big family, it's especially with doing comedy and being as open as we are, we talk about sex. There's boundaries, but we definitely have some boundaries that are crossed. And here my younger brother is talking about something he has no idea what he's talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I have to say something to him. And so I started out first being like, how would I approach it? And then as I was doing it, I was like, this is a really weird situation. And then as I was telling the story, I thought of the first sex position. And then my brother actually saw the show and he gave me the idea for the second sex position. He's like, you should do something with the equal pay act. And then from there, I was like, well, I have two. The rule of comedy is three. And then it, mm-hmm. and then I just started tightening up the story, getting rid of some stuff. And it, it took a while. It really did probably take like six months. Mm-hmm. And I, I, as soon as it worked, it had to be my closer. Like I couldn't follow it anymore. Like it became its own little beast yeah. of a joke. And it really went viral. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I've started, I'm sure you're very similar. I've started studying like social media because mm-hmm. I, I don't have a manager or, or an agent. And I kind of decided a couple of years ago that it's really hard to get those and I'm actually particular about who represents me that I was like if I'm going to do it I'm going to use Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as my manager and agent they're going to shout from the rooftops how great I am (laughs) so I started studying it and experimenting with it and so when I I actually self-released my first album in December and so I, I actually saved money for a PR company but it was 
still astronomically more than I could afford. So I took a friend's PR class. Uh, I actually showed up late and left early. <laughs> I was like, the subway got in my way, so I should be late. And then I had spots. And she was uh, kind enough that she actually sat down with me and reviewed like the forms with it. So both her PR class um, and then all the books I read, I was like, okay, well, what are what are the jokes that I can tell from doing my act that resonate with people? And then I kind of pulled apart which ones um, people people like they would have their own kind of enclave of of representation so i have a lot of fitness material and running material so i released my marathons video i made sure i had a link to my stand-up album and then a subscribe button and i then sent it to you know runner's world fitness you know magazine women's health i sent it so i did the same thing with the feminist exposition um i have a friend that's named hurry kundabolu um brilliant comedian he's done everything you can think of but he loved that joke and whenever i opened for him he'd always like you have to do that joke like it was kind of a little bit of bullying where like you can open for me if you do that joke (laughs) and so he gave me a couple uh feminist uh blogs names and people that he had contact with and then i just some of them i just filled out their form wrong like for the one that actually broke um my video was everyday feminism and i just filled out a form to be a writer and i filled it out wrong they're like why do you want to be a writer i was like i don't i just want you to watch my video exactly (laughs) they're like you're like uh what do you want to say i was like i don't I just want to tell jokes. Like, I literally filled it out wrong, and they posted it, like, a month later. And then from there, all the other blogs started posting it. And What great lessons there are there in that whole story for people to just try. You know, you don't need to already know all the rights and wrongs. And sometimes a little bit of, not naivete, but a little bit of sort of not being taught all, like, the, quote, standards and rules yeah. allows you to just sort of, like, creatively go out there. Absolutely. And, like, I've always, I, I think the hardest thing for me in comedy is understanding the 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 boundary between uh, being a squeaky wheel, but not being the most annoying squeaky wheel that you don't, you just throw the car out. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so for me, I understand that you do have to put yourself out there, and by not putting yourself out there, you, you have no excuse, you can't be bitter about nobody paying attention to you. You do have to take risks, and there's a lot of people that you see that you might not think are as funny or as talented or whatever that are at least taking the risk to say hey this is what I have but on the other side of it you can't be that person that ignores that maybe your stuff isn't good enough or maybe it's not right for this blog or this show or whatever and you have to be able to honestly look at who you are and what you do and and be okay with some people are going to enjoy it some people aren't some people are going to support you some people aren't and so I think the first step is putting it out there and the second step is reading the response tons of blogs haven't gotten back to me Tons of shows reject me. Tons of people blow me off. I mean, I just finished this great book. It's called Rejection Proof. Mm. It's a, it's a, it's really great. It's in very um, easy read, but um, it's basically this guy that decided to become an entrepreneur after years of just working regular jobs, and um, he did decided to start um, create an app and his his wife gave him basically six months like you want to try this you have six months if it doesn't work out you can go to your other jobs but try it out and four months in he pitches it to get money back like get a backer and they say no and he was so crushed by this rejection that he was like I don't want to do this anymore I'm just going to get a job and his wife's like I gave you six months you got two more months and he realized the biggest problem that he's had over the years is he can't handle rejection uh. and so he actually spent the rest of the time working on the app but the other time he did 100 days of rejection and every day he would record himself being rejected sometimes very silly sometimes serious but it was such a fascinating book to make me realize that me and all my comedic friends this is our life like 
I am more willing to take risks in other areas of my life, and it's this muscle that I didn't realize I was developing because you get I I'm being rejected right now on YouTube. Like if I check my YouTube right now, I'm sure I have four nar- new comments telling me to go like put a dick in my mouth and shut up and <laughs> yeah. whatever it is. Or females aren't funny. I mean, every day it's something mean about what I'm doing. There's also great things, and I don't take those down. By the way, I like people to know that this is a part of being creative express. and being taking risks. People mm-hmm. aren't going to like what you do, and if you're scared of people not liking you yeah this isn't the right business for you yeah but for me it was this this thought that like well let's see who would enjoy this like clearly it's being received well when i do stand up but there's tons of people it's been a weird thought process to realize that there's people that clearly like comedy we all like to laugh but aren't comedy nerds like i am and so to find people that like what i talk about but maybe don't uh, Appreciate or, or get geeked out by the form it's in has been really enlightening to me. I've made so many fans running. I was like profiled in Runner's World, and I actually uh, toured with um, the author of Born to Run. This Are guy. you a runner? I am. I'm not like good or anything, but I run marathons yeah. and, and I run a lot. It's the thing awesome. that makes me not murder people. <laughs> Every time I, <laughs> I see like mass that. murderers, I'm like, have they gone for a jog? <laughs> like, I mean, like maybe you just have too much energy. Yeah, burn some of those calories off. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. But I mean, it's weird to start seeing that like again these runners maybe comedy isn't the thing that they're watching on YouTube all the time but they see my marathon joke or they see my dieting material and they go oh this totally speaks to me and now I have a runner fan that appreciates my comedy rather than comedy fans that happen to appreciate my running jokes I love that that's fascinating and I love that you're taking all the things that are unique about you because I think that another mistake that a lot of creatives make and just in general in life people will try so hard to fit into this sort of like paradigm you yeah. know and you are in a very male driven industry um, that doesn't always welcome females and I didn't even realize that there were these stereotypes that women aren't funny until I saw that um, documentary what is it called the, did you see it it's um, uh, Bonnie McFarlane made it yes I haven't seen it but a lot of my friends are in it it was really powerful I, I mean I was really really struck um, because it was so, I didn't realize that that was sort of the idea that so many people have, um, yeah. you know, that, that women aren't funny. It and, seems wow. it, to me, it's like, it, it's clearly stemmed from this idea of we, uh, we want to keep women quiet. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and that, I mean, that goes back to the fact that goes back to the era where you couldn't leave the house without a man in a hat. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, exactly. so it's like, I understand where it's come from, but what's weird is the, the, the penetrating stereotypes that as we progress as people stay. So it's like, why did we get rid of the fact that I can leave the house without a man, but I, but I'm not, I don't have my own opinions and right. I'm boring and I'm not funny. If you don't talk. Yeah. yeah I only talk about bleeding. Like what? Cause to me, what frustrates me is you'll be told that we can only have one female on the show because we don't want two females back to back because they talk about the same thing. Yet the set will be all white males. Like it'll be all like everybody else. So you're assuming that two white guys that borderline look the same don't talk about the same thing. But two women that I can come from New Jersey and, you know, be obsessed with cats and run a lot. And that's what most of my retailers. And this girl's from Texas and mostly talks about horseback riding and whatever. You know what I mean? It's that comic doesn't exist, but (laughs) you know what I mean? It's just so, of course, there's always going to be overlining things. I'm always going to be a woman, and especially if I'm a woman in New York, you know, we're going to have parallel thought processes, but so are men. And so, I mean, there's no reason that, I mean, 
I've seen it. Like, the whole point of comedy is to have a unique perspective. Like, yes, it's to be funny, but, I mean, if you see four people in a row tell the same pot joke with the same perspective, it doesn't matter how funny it is. It's the same joke. Absolutely. Rather than I can be on a show with Dave Chappelle and I think, like, my friend Rob Cantrell, a bunch of other people that have pot jokes, and my pot joke is completely different than Dave Chappelle's, which is completely different from Rob Cantrell's because we've had three different life experiences. So mine's about panic attacks. Dave's about where he's buying his and Rob's is about, you know, seeing a cat do something weird while he's smoking pot. Like, yeah. it's all the same drug. It's all the same uh, moment, but it's filtered differently. And that's what, to me, what comedy is about is um, even if you don't feel the way you feel, like, don't feel the way I feel about a certain topic, I'm taking you through the journey. That's what a movie is. A movie is saying, hey, I went through this breakup or, hey, I had this moment with my mom and and this is how this person processed it. And you can either accept it or not accept it. But if it's entertaining and enlightening, you enjoy the movie. Yeah. And you don't have to. I mean, there's movies that I enjoy that I'm never going to watch again. But then there's movies that speak to me that every time I watch them, I learn something new about. And those are the ones that you continue to follow. Same thing with bands. Same thing with comedians, books that I've read several right. times. Some are going to penetrate you deeply and some are just going to be a moment that you had. And to judge it that these half a species has nothing to offer, yeah. that's crazy. Or that I'm not funny. Like to me, it's like you can, you can not enjoy my perspective, but understand that my perspective is a million filters. My perspective is being a woman, being a New Yorker, being a cat owner, uh, being an angry person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, being short, like, I have, and each idea is filtered to do th- different things. I, I, when the feminist thing started kind of exploding, they started writing articles about me saying that I was a feminist comedian. And I, I went back and I said, but I'm not. I'm a feminist, absolutely. But I'm not a feminist comedian because then you put me in a box where I can't say anything ignorant anymore. And I say ignorant stuff all the time. I say stuff that probably sets women back all the time. <laughs> and do I do I know that I'm doing it? No, but you can't yeah. put me in a box where then I have to always be aware of it because half of my job is I say dumb shit and then yeah. I admit to it. Nice. So I don't want to be put in this box that I'm a feminist comedian. I'm a comedian that happens to be feminist because sure. really the filter that penetrates my entire life is I'm dyslexic. Everything is always spelled wrong all the time. I'm more dile- dyslexic comedian than I am a <laughs> feminist comedian. Wow. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like understanding that we all, every person has at least 50 filters that make you, whether just talking to a friend, that made me mad. Why did that make me mad? You know what I mean? And it's Absolutely. certain filters. I like yeah. Instagram. So filters is what I say. I'm sure there's a smarter no, word. <laughs> So funny. But I'm like, is it a Hudson mood? <laughs> and I totally read you because I've been to those. Um, that's a great way to describe it, though. And it's interesting how much they try to lump the women together and and put labels on them, too. Yeah. You know, it's the lesbian comedian. Yeah. It's the feminist comedian. It's yeah. the overweight comedian. It's, Absolutely. you know, and it's, you don't see that. They don't say, here's another white male comedian. Here's another yeah. middle class white male comedian. It's, yeah. you know, it's not fair. And yeah. And it, everything, like I said, is just going to shape you. I mean, if you're somebody that's overweight, like, yes, your perspective is is going to be altered this, differently than somebody that might be the size that people deem as acceptable. Just like somebody that is mixed race is going to have a probably a different perspective than somebody that is maybe black or Puerto Rican and people can put them in this box. Like, I mean, I have big curly hair and I look ethnically, you know, ambiguous. And I always say, like, what 
depending on what people perceive me as, I'm sure they treat me differently. You know what I mean? So I'm especially before I dyed my hair, like I can look really Jewish, I can look half black, half white, I can look Puerto Rican. You could do some really cool like social experiments. Yeah, and it's know. interesting that I I mean it's usually like I my best friend is Egyptian and we look exactly the same at times. Like especially as kids, we were just the same kid. Um, <laughs> but it's funny, I've definitely had a lot of people come up to me and ask me if I was some kind of Middle Eastern and I was like no, but it's interesting that that would even. I wonder how many other p- people perceive me that way, and in what light did they perceive me? And that how way. it affects how they treat you? Yeah, absolutely. Like you. this guy was also Egyptian, so of course he was just like, "Yeah, let's talk about it." And I was like, "I just know what my friend told me. <laughs> I, <laughs> can't, so I can't help you." Oh my gosh, how interesting! Does uh, does being a comedian? I'm sure it affects you know all facets of your life. It's it's you know a big part of who you are and, and your identity for for so long. Uh, are people intimidated by it at all when, like, for example, when you're dating or if, you know, do people sort of, um, find it intimidating as far as like, you know, being with a, a celebrity comedian, for example, like, would they feel intimidated or do you feel like, have you ever felt the pressure? Like, do I need to be funny all the time? Because that's something that, you know, if they meet you because you were performing, for example. Yeah. I mean, I, I use the term celebrity very loosely because nobody knows who I am. Um, but I, I think some of it is. I had a, I had somebody in an interview ask me once, like, "Are guys intimidated?" And I go, "Well, if they are, I've never met them. You know what I mean? They haven't asked me. They're out. Too intimidated to talk to you. So they yeah. yeah. So I mean, to me, the guys. Just like, just like I've never, I, I mean, I've never really dated a shithead monogamous, uh, uh, what's not, uh, misogynist, mis- misogynist, thank yeah. you, the other M word, um, <laughs> misogynist guy, because they, I'm not attracted to them and they're sure as hell aren't attracted to me. So, I mean, the people that, um, are attracted to me and ask me out and who I've gone out with, it's never been a problem because that's what they're into. Like most yeah. of the guys I've dated say that they find it sexy when I'm on stage, which awesome. is nice because I'm usually wearing like a ripped t-shirt <laughs> and like shitty jeans and my hair. I a- love that about comedy. Though. Yeah. I'm I like, mean, it's so cool that you would just could just wear anything. Yeah, I'm, and- <laughs> I'm usually rolled out of bed um, <laughs> and I've told some dick jokes, but I mean, <laughs> to me, I'm, I'm slightly worried about where my act is going right now because my, my, last album was about how I was discovering some of the things about my personality that made me, you know, exhausting to be around. It's called emotionally exhausting and how my personality has probably hindered a lot of stuff, both friendship, work and relationships that when I discovered it, I was like, well, this makes a lot of sense why people don't want to be around me. And as I've been in therapy and worked on it and been more conscious of it, I've started to a like myself more and B start to see the, the, the positivities of why I'm like that and and what type of person would appreciate that. So now my newer material is about is a little more cockier is a little bit about I'm single because I'm kind of awesome. Yeah, a little bit like I'm really good at what I do and I want to be around somebody that can handle that and that's good at it as well. And so I have this newer joke where I, you know, I talk about you know, it's hard to date because I'm really funny and if we're having a bad conversation it's you, buddy. <laughs> it's not me because I get paid for this. And that's like something that I can A, see is incredibly intimidating. And I do put myself, I'm I'm very much put myself out there in a way that uh, I would think people that have dated somebody for years sometimes can be off-putting. And I do it on stage to strangers. And so I'm single a lot. I'm sure that some of that has something to do with it. I'm sure my schedule has something to do with it. And I also think, you know, I, I'm, you get to a place where... 
conversationally and artistically, I want somebody that um, is passionate and knows what they're doing and works hard at it. And some your late twenties, early thirties, it's I, I mean I'm not going to settle. You know yeah, what I mean? I'm, so I feel like it definitely, I, it would be ignorant to believe that what I do hasn't affected any relationship, guys, friendships, whatever. But I also believe it's it's um, been filtering out people that wouldn't be able to handle me and sure. I wouldn't enjoy being around anyway. And strengthening your life in so many ways because, you know, it's so much worse to be in a relationship that you do settle for yeah. than to be... You know, I'm just such a strong believer. And, you know, I married somebody I met, like, I didn't even know <laughs> what I was in my early 20s. I mean, really? literally, we got engaged on our first date. I'm not even kidding. Are you serious? Yes. And we were married for, I call it my pseudo marriage because I'm remarried and this feels like a marriage. Um, I also call my adventure partner because I always just feel like now, I mean, my current husband, because it's such a different world. It's like, and I met him when I was like, I want to be single. I, w- I met him in my late 20s and I said, I want to be single at least until I'm like 45, I never want to get married again. Yeah. I want to get a dog that doesn't like or men, you know? <laughs> Seriously. So I did. I adopted this dog that yeah. doesn't like men. Yeah. She and moved in next door to this like super attractive, kind, loving man. Yeah. Warned him like my dog does. I, doesn't I, like, I hear it doesn't like men. Yeah. She runs over and hugs him. Oh. And so, you know. You failed. <laughs> right? But she had a plot and it worked out. But it's like, uh, it's because we met because I think we both were just working on our lives. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're passionate about yeah. what we did in our lives. And yeah, I think absolutely. that's that's huge. Yeah. That's really, really huge. And I, I mean, you, I, I've learned in all this stuff is that you attract liked-minded people. So when I was in a shitty negative place, I attracted other shitty people. And as I improve myself, as I'm happier on a daily basis, as I'm even just in my act, more conscious and open and excited about what I'm talking about, I'm surprised how many people, whether they're the friends that were maybe negative when I were, are uplifting themselves and we're kind of growing together. Or you see those kind of people fall away and you make new friends that are kind of on par with you. And that's kind of the the cool place with comedy is that you have to be super self-aware and it's scary. And it's often sometimes I learn about myself in a joke and then realize how true it is and start to be like, oh, I don't know if I still want to be this person. And you start to develop. And I think you, you meet a lot of cool people that way. Oh, yeah. And your life is so much richer and you know, it, it sounds like your material has evolved and shifted, you know, with you, yeah. which is really exciting. Yeah. You know, and gosh, one of five kids. So does your whole family come to your gigs and are you guys all, are they all supportive? Is it something that everyone's kind of a part of? Yeah. I mean, my my mom comes to anything she can drive to. My mom doesn't like driving at night. Um, so she comes to like Jersey stuff or stuff that she can take the train to. Um, my dad... My dad doesn't like a lot of stuff I talk about. I I bring him to things that are edited. Like if I do a like I did a, when I was opening for this um, running author, I did all jokes about running, and that's pretty clean and stuff like that. And that's stuff he can handle. Uh, he definitely does not. Uh, I think he. I think my brother told me he saw the feminist exposition. Like probably an employee was like, "Hey, have you seen this thing gone viral?" And I think my brother was like, he was not happy. And I go, "That's." And but my dad doesn't say anything. Like we, me and my dad have this kind of unspoken rule which is he supports me my dad gave me a car my dad has always been incredibly encouraging um but it's this he is very catholic and he is so old school he's so he still has like the heart of it and like it was funny this is a great example i did a a a women uh it's called wow uh 
women, some women's festival where it was a, a comedi- feminist comedians talking about comedy. And I was telling them, like, hey, I have to leave early because I have to do this um, this festival. It was at the Apollo Theater. It was actually very cool. And um, my my dad goes, uh, what's <laughs> I mean, it's going to make him sound dumb. But he goes, what's a feminist? And I go, it's just somebody that supports equal rights for women. And he goes, oh, I'm a feminist. It was the cutest thing. Aww. My six year old dad was like, oh, I'm a feminist. And like my parents are veterinarians. And my dad is my dad talks about all the time. Most of his employees are women because it's animals and a lot of veterinarians are women. Mm-hmm. And it was just very cute where he like he was like, oh, I'm a feminist. He has three daughters. He supports anything we do. I mean, he kind of raised he didn't challenge it at all. Like, I think no he, defensiveness. It was just like, oh, that's what it is. Yeah. He just had no I idea. Everyone reacted that way. Yeah. It was kind of the cutest thing. Like, what is that? And I was like, oh, it's just somebody that believes in equal rights for women. He's like, oh, I'm a feminist. Oh, my gosh. It was adorable. <laughs> and so my dad is, that's something I've learned in general, that some people are only able to support you for so much. And that's okay. You know what I mean? My dad probably, he thinks I'm funny when we talk, but I don't think he appreciates my stand-up humor. And that's fine. Too. And I have friends that don't like my stand-up but like me, and that's what it is. I mean, it's a different – it's a part of me, but it's not all of who I am. Sure. So it, it's – again, you learn that kind of – I mean, there's certain people I hate the way they dress, but I love everything else about them. Yeah. So why do I – why would I – respect throw, their you know, right to choose whatever they wear. I just don't think patterns know. go with other patterns. <laughs> but that's how they – I mean, if you want to do 80s all over again, by all means, <laughs> I just – you know, I'm not into it. <laughs> that's so funny. But my siblings are great. My older sister um, is based out of D. Like right outside of DC, and she—I mean, I—she calls me a roommate because I'm I'm there a lot, and so she's uh, her and my brother-in-law super supportive. My little sister, we actually had a variety show together for two years. Our last show is going to be um, this month, and then she actually moves to LA um, or next month. And no, this month. I'm remembering when this was recorded. <laughs> but her last show is uh, in July, and then she moves out to L.A. But she's been one of, like, she's been, like, my comedic rock. Like, she's a jazz singer, but one of the funniest people I know and has seen me bomb all over the Aww. world. Um, and the same with my little brother that the joke is based off of, incredibly supportive. And my youngest brother is in school in Boston. He's a little quieter, but probably wanna also, when he, he's like, um, was it Jay and Silent Bob? Like, he's uh, the Silent Bob that when he talks, it's like the smartest, funniest thing you've ever heard. That's awesome. That's my, the my observer. Yeah, that's my baby brother. He's, yeah, I'm one of five also. And my youngest, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, my youngest sister, the youngest, Absorbed everything. And yeah. And she's a therapist. No way. And it's like, it makes so much sense. Yeah, it does. You know, it really does. I love being part of a, a big family. I think it's, I think it's fun. I like it. I mean, I have a lot of friends that are only, like, only, only children. And it's interesting to me where they have this kind of bittersweet belief that, like, it's great all the time. I was like, it's a lot of work. Like, keep in mind, I have my friends and then I have my family friends. And my friends, it's like... I could drop them at any point and there it's helpful to have that my family friends I have to see you next week and so I have to resolve it it's like it's definitely made me a stronger friend I think I'm a better friend because I have these mandatory relationships that I have to manage but um I mean it's it's a different level of exhausting <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you live close to them all too, which I do. Um, probably. Uh, everybody, everybody's within driving distance at this point, and then, I mean, then I'm driving my sister out to LA, and hopefully I'll visit more since wow. she's out here. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, you guys can both stop back in if you want. Oh, you would love her. She's a she's um she's a presence. <laughs> awesome. Oh my gosh, it'd be fun to have sisters in here, and I love jazz and and artists of all kinds. I think yeah. that's that's fantastic, and it's, it's for me it's easier with my most of my family is in Minnesota. My brother's in New York, in Brooklyn, actually. Oh, wow. 
and uh, I'm here. My mom calls us her two weird ones who left. Yeah. And uh, they all, you can go for a jog around my family's neighborhood and go to all their houses. Oh, wow. When we visit, it's awesome. What know? number are you? Um, I'm three. Smack okay. Middle. Oh, yeah. That makes, this all makes sense. Yeah. And you're number two? <laughs> I'm number two. Okay. But it's weird, like, um, Emily, who's younger than me, and Sam, like, the three middle kids, we're, we get each other on a level yeah. that, like, it, a couple of boyfriends have called it their, like, our own language. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. just, it's all inside jokes, and it's like, it's just, it's just hit a level that I, it might, that might be the thing that keeps me single is somebody seeing me talk to my brother and sister <laughs> because we just, you, sometimes you don't even have to say anything. It really is like you start to understand twins and stuff like There's that. There's some weird like psychic things that happen, I swear. There was this yeah. one time, this is so random, but I was, the only time in my life I have ever made my own breadcrumbs in the oven okay. ever, right? Yeah. My sister in Minnesota, who's next youngest after me was doing the same thing. That's so weird. And I was like, woo, there's, yeah. there's something weird. I mean, and she and I are totally, totally different. But yeah. there's something like this weird thing. And my brother is number two. Yeah. So he's, and he's the other artist. So I get that. There's like yeah. this, it's it's fascinating to me for sure. Um, so I've got some really weird, I get lots of amazing questions from all of you guys out there. Uh, 99% are actually super intelligent, really heartfelt, um, I've been blown away because when I first started this uh, series, started my blog first, and I got warned by, by people like yeah. you're going to get these really scary people sending yeah. you these gross things and all these dick pictures and stuff. I have not gotten that yeah. really, um, but I do occasionally get this, and I try to respond to people, especially if they have like a really heartfelt question. I answer on the air, or I have an expert come in to talk about it. But I've gotten some that are just like I don't even know how to start with this. Yeah, so I thought my, maybe you would know. <laughs> If you're curious. I'll say this, um, kind of slightly off topic. There's yeah. a, uh, the guy that wrote four hour work week. I can't think of it. Tim Ferriss. Yeah. He had a, he had like a, a, a seminar that he did and it's online. I can send it to you. It's about how, how to handle, um, uh, uh, what you receive online oh. so who to respond to how to respond to them when not to respond to them and that's been my pretty i use it probably 80 percent of the time as a barometer of who especially because i watched it like five years ago and then of course i got the most comments and emails i've ever received from these videos going viral and some of them you know they hit you you write back to me and you go i shouldn't have done that uh-huh. but there's a lot of people that i keep them up because, like I said, people should know that this is what I deal with. Sure. But I, I don't respond to a lot of the negative yeah, ones. Yeah, I'd be interested because it's, it's a fine – it's just weird. Some people say don't ever reply. But then sometimes I feel like replying actually would be helpful. Yeah. For me, for other people. Yeah. You know, so sometimes I reply. I also notice that if, I should never read comments at night if I read them. Oh, yeah. Because I will stay up all night and get this emotional mind state. And the next morning I'll go, oh, my God, I hope that was a dream that I said that. Oh my God, it wasn't. And then I'll go in and see that. I mean, seriously, at like two in the morning, I will, it, it's not a good space to be in. The dumbest thing I've ever done, I was, because I try to read all of them. I might not respond to all of them, but I read them because it, you never know. It, yeah. Stuff is helpful. Um, it was for the feminist expositions, and I read maybe 50 of them before a first date. And many of them were about threatening my life. And I was like, oh, I'm about to meet a stranger. After I just read all these, and they, I was like, I had to call up a friend. I was like, I really just freaked myself out. Oh. And it was fine. It was whatever. But yeah. I really was like, how well do I know this guy? Right. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It can get yeah. into your head. Oh, I really yeah. got it. Was a, that was one of those, I was like, never again. There's this great article that a woman wrote about responding to a troll. She responded to her worst troll. Have you heard about it? Was it the woman that he actually got back to her and he didn't realize that he was hurting he, her? Yeah. He, he essentially, he was not only a troll, but he at one point used 
he created an email in her deceased father's. Yeah, I heard about that. Oh my gosh. It was a really powerful story. What I liked about it was she was just like, you know what? Why does everyone say don't respond? Like, yeah. I'm just going to reply to this. But and you did it genuinely. I yes. think when you go hate yes. to hate, if somebody goes, you're the worst female comic I've ever seen. Well, you don't know. That's You're just on, you're both at a level that you're not at your best. But if you go, you I'm, who knows how to genuinely respond to that in a positive way? But if you, a lot of times somebody, sometimes I get kind of sarcastic, but they'll be like, you're the worst I've ever seen. And I'd be like, I'm so happy to be the best of the worst that you've ever seen. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, but sometimes it's yeah. just like I just so you know, like some people do want to hurt your feelings, but sometimes when they get vivid, you'd be like, if you had a daughter, yeah. if your best friend was a whatever, would you ever say some of the vile stuff you said? Yeah. Why do you think I'm not a person? Like right. that's the right. kind of stuff that I think sometimes if you genuinely show, like, hey, this I'm a I'm a I'm person, a yeah. yeah, and this stuff yeah. affects me because they don't expect. I don't think they expect many times for you to reply. I've actually rep- gotten comments that way where it says, "And I bet you won't reply to this." Yeah, you know, and so yeah. it's like you know, I, but yeah, genuine is is huge. And the reason you're doing it is it yeah. to lash out back, like out of this defensive feeling, yeah, or is it no? I want to keep this in perspective, and maybe yeah. somebody will see this and uh, learn something from it. Or yeah, whatever. You yeah, know, there's some good things, and you never um, know. Yeah, and these were actually I, I let people uh, email me through my website. Um, it's augustmclaughlin.com. So if you guys have weird or normal questions, you, <laughs> and you know I don't judge people either. For I love the fact that people will send me really personal questions because that's also part of how this show came about. Is I've just been that person because I talk about this stuff. People just have talked to me about lots of personal stuff, and I, honestly, I no matter what, I never, I really try very hard never to judge people um some of these are just really really interesting though and i thought maybe you'd have some some insight or some thoughts uh, okay so if my girlfriend squats down and sneezes after we have sex will it keep her from getting pregnant i heard they do that in greece and he went on to explain more about this greek history so maybe your greek friend would be able to help out <laughs> with this one but i've never heard that before so Squats and squatting and sneezes. Like I don't know if they think when you squat down, like the sperm that had gone in would come out your nose. Well, you know what's really funny? I saw this video. Um, it's about so like when they artificially inseminate pigs, they try to kind of turn them on a little bit because the actual them actually being turned on helps the sperm kind of go deeper in or whatever. Wow. I know I'm sounding retarded, but I'm no, sure it's said it the right sense. way. But I would think if you sneeze, it's it's making your body, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, oh, totally. Kind of up, chuck it up. <laughs> Get a, rid of that arousal. Or I'm maybe borderline a doctor, everybody. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> to really me, that actually sounds like, logically speaking, it actually sounds like not a good idea. No, it may actually increase your odds. Yeah. Who knows? But um, that's that would so interesting. I can imagine like the, the pigs, like is there a person whose job is to turn a pig on? Yeah, that's pretty much what they were showing. Like they kind of... Turn the pig wow. on a little bit. The pig boner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. It's a spinoff of yeah. your podcast. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, so this next one, why does my boyfriend leap out of... <laughs> I can't read this, but every time I see this, for some reason, the visual is like hysterically funny to me. Why does my boyfriend leap out of bed and wiggle his penis over the toilet every time we have sex? Yeah. So I just, weird. Uh, you know... You and, just have a weird boyfriend. There we go. That probably is it, right? Yeah. The, or it's, uh, some to me, it sounds like some kind of weird OCD, like... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Getting something... Getting rid of some extra fluids or like... Yeah. Maybe he's afraid he's going to come too fast or something or... Yeah. I don't know, but I would think that the natural... Like, it would be really good to ask right away, right? Yeah. You know, like if so... I think that if that happened to me and I knew the person at all, which 
probably I did if I had sex with him, you know, then I would think that I would maybe wonder, like, are you okay? Like, why? Especially because from what I understand is after they have sex, their penis is like really sensitive. (laughs) And so I would think wiggling would be kind of hurtful. Like it would kind of hurt. Maybe that's a little fetish or something. Yeah. Maybe it feels good to him. Yeah, if you investigate, if you're listening, if you have to be yeah. listening and investigate, let yeah. us know. Ask, yeah. and, and actually, that was from a few months ago, so um, maybe there's been some progress yeah. in that area. Now they okay. wiggle over a toilet together. I don't know. You know, <laughs> embrace each other's fetishes, man. It, in moder- if it's helpful to both of you and doesn't hurt anyone. Of yeah. Uh, so this is the last one for today. If my girlfriend uses a vibrator, will she still like my dick? That part is a fairly common concern. The second part is a little bit stranger. Um, is there a way to make mine wiggle and buzz? Um, I'm sure there's got to be some kind of surgery, some kind of like, uh, like vibrant. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what's funny about it is that like, I don't know any woman that doesn't have a vibrator that's like, I'm good. You know what I mean? I don't need any dude. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. Like, yeah. it's clearly not the, the same thing. I yeah. mean, to me, I, I feel like the vibration is its own form of pleasure. You know what I mean? But like you can, I mean, you can go down on your girl more. I mean, like that would be a solution. You can pretty much do that with your tongue. Totally. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, yeah. you could, it, I, I mean, you don't need your penis to be magical. You can be magical with your fingers and yeah. your face. <laughs> So totally true. So totally true. And no matter what, it's never a replacement. And it also can be a great thing to use together. Yeah. I also think like for me, like one of the most eye-opening things in my relationships is when guys tell me it's so a it's so sexy when you're turned on and and b me realizing that me being turned on has made the whole um situation more fun for everybody and so that's kind of something where i I used to be like i felt i almost felt bad that i took so much to turn me on and then i realized like oh they just want me to be in the same place they are and we're gonna do this and the process is fun if it's yeah if it's not faced with this like this is going to be difficult feeling yeah. or, or guilt for going, I'm not getting there fast enough. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Um, I also think there's this shame around, you know, a partner masturbating. And I think that's incredibly sexy. Like yeah. I, if I, you know, in a relationship walked in on my, you know, boyfriend and he was masturbating, I would think it's kind of hot. I yeah. mean, I think it's great. It, it, if if he's masturbating and he's been saying he has no sex drive, that's a different thing. Yeah, you know. But I I just think it's we do have a lot of um, shame around pleasure that's not coming from you know the partner. Is it yeah. me? Am I? The, yeah. And women feel that too sometimes. You know, we both it can go both ways. Especially we've talked a lot about um, people who watch a lot of porn sometimes can't get turned on without it. Yeah. And so then they think, well, how come? they can get turned on by the porn and not by me. It's not because you're not sexy. It's because there's another problem on the, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So it's always important to know those things. And there actually are vibrators, though, that he can wear. Oh, like you can, like, put it on? Yeah, it's like a cock ring that vibrates. Oh. So maybe and maybe that's fun for him. Maybe. I don't know. I, I hear the vibrating is actually good for a guy, too. Oh, really? So I, I had never heard we're that before. We're all learning stuff, guys. You know? We are. We are. I had a guy on from um, the Gigolos show. In, mm. uh, it's, a, it's a reality show in Vegas. Male... Um, well, they're, of course, male gigolos. There only are male gigolos. <laughs> but kind of redundant. But, uh, yeah, he has a, uh, a vibrating dildo shaped like his penis. And uh, he said that guys love the vibrating. Who knew? Yeah. No, so maybe we all to start vibrating together. Yeah. I mean, let's all just sit on top of washing machines and have a good time. <laughs> you know what? My bird's been doing that. How weird is that? That is... Um, <laughs> Whatever your bird wants to do. <laughs> exactly. Equal rights. I like the idea of you walking in on it and being like, 
Sorry, this is your turn. I respect it. <laughs> you know, if it makes you happy, it helps you feel good. Sure. She's a feminist too. Um, <laughs> how can we learn more about your work? Um, my website pretty much has everything. It's lizmealy.com, M-I-E-L-E. Um, but I'm at Liz Mealy on Twitter. It's always at Liz Mealy for everything. I'm on all the social media, and I'm pretty good about keeping up with it and getting back to people um, if you're nice. I mean, if yeah. you're if you're mean, I have better things to do. Um, but uh, I have uh, I have a couple different like web series and stuff. Uh, ApartmentC3.com is a, a web series I did for a while with another um, comic, Carmen Lynch, who's one of the best comics working right now. Um, and then I have my animated web series, uh, which is Damaged Web Series. And then I'm actually uh, working on a short film right now. Hopefully it'll be out in like a year. But um, I'm in the early processes of putting out a short film that's kind of loosely based off my childhood, which is living next to an all-cat clinic. <laughs> really? Yeah. So you, you're writing it, you're in it, you're producing it, everything? Yeah, all that, all that fun stuff. Wow. So. Well, when that comes out, make sure you let me know so we can feature you again. Yeah. Fun. Oh, thank you. Awesome. It's been such a treat having you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I asked Dr. Megan to weigh in on the sex position topic of earlier. I asked her this question, what sex positions tend to bring women the most sensual pleasure? First, I want to shout out to Liz because I love that you're spreading feminist sexual positions. So funny and so amazing. I think we as women need to support one another in knowing and owning our own sexual pleasure. Not, of course, to the exclusion of our partners, but definitely to include and make time and room for our own. So I'm going to give you some of the uh, positions that I frequently hear most women say are their reliable sort of go-tos for pleasure and orgasms. But I want to say that ultimately... It's very personal. We're all, I believe, in self as expert. So you absolutely can and try on, or I'm sure you already have some of these, but ultimately I want you to sort of explore and figure out which positions feel best for you. So there is, of course, no gold standard, but I think we often think of missionary. Uh, and I can absolutely tell you that for some women, this is their favorite. Uh, one of the reasons is it provides sort of the face-to-face closeness and intimacy, and they really feel sort of the weight and support of their partner um, in a very protective way, and it could be part of their erotic turn-on. But a bonus I want to share with you is a modification of that, and that's called the CAT, which is the coital alignment technique. And this is a modified missionary where uh, your partner lies above you and moves upward along your body until his erection, which otherwise would be pointing up, is pointing down sort of the dorsal side of his penis is now pressing against the clitoris. And this extra clit stim is, I think, you know, I'm just a big fan. So if you haven't tried it out, uh, definitely do so. And if you're not quite clear on my description, totally Google it because you can get a tutorial. Uh, The other positions that I often hear women saying they love because they give great depth of penetration where also you or your partner can add additional clitoral stim Uh, which is either from behind, doggy style, or woman being on top. It's important, uh, one of the reasons women like being on top is not only the sort of control of the experience and depth of penetration, but she also has the flexibility to move her pelvis or even grind against her partner to allow her to explore the angles which give her the most pleasure. Because great sex is all about angles. You may have noticed that your sexual position changes even with new sexual partners because the angle of your partner's erection to your pelvis determines what hot spots he's going to hit. So play with angles and even pillows to tilt your pelvis and find the positions that are your favorites. 
We may all have our favorite positions just like chocolate or vanilla ice cream, but I highly recommend that you continue to explore new angles, positions, sex toys, and all that's in the universe of what's possible in sexual pleasure. It should never be limited in my mind to a script with very few experiences in your repertoire or on your menu, unless, of course, that works for you. Bottom line, ladies, know yourself, explore, and discover. Have fun. Such fantastic advice as always. That is another quotable there. Great sex is all about angles. I feel like we should like cross stitch that onto our pillows or something. <laughs> to learn more about Dr. Megan, check out her website, greatlifegreatsex.com and follow her on Twitter at Megan Fleming PhD and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dr. Megan Fleming. For direct links to her work, more of Liz's wonderfulness, and some enticing extras. You can check out the show notes for today's episode on my website, augustmclaughlin.com. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, subscribe on iTunes so you will never miss a beat. Subscribers actually receive the episodes first. While you're there, I hope you'll let me know what you think with a rating or review. And while you're at it, why not tell your friends about the show? I really appreciate that support. Speaking of which, special thanks to our latest iTunes reviewer, Exo Anayin, for the super sweet words and to all of you for listening. We hit number 14 on iTunes top 100 list over this weekend, and I'm just so grateful that would not be possible without all of you and without everyone here at Global Voice Studios. Thank you with all of my heart and with my girl boner. Until next time, have a beautiful girl boner embracing week. <laughs>